0: You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. This week we're going to talk about fellowship. We talked about identity, we talked about prayer. The third essential is fellowship. Here's the main point. The point of Christian fellowship is not that we like each other, it's that we love God. I'm going to say it again, let you digest it, because when I teach, doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to repeat the main point at least a couple, three times because I want it in the holiest of ways to haunt you over the next week so that you can apply it, it, put it to work. The point of Christian fellowship is not that we like each other. We can, that's fine, it's fine. The point is that we love God. We together, helping each other, love God. That's the point of Christian fellowship. Now, if you're watching online, we're sure a lot of you are, good morning and go, go get your Bible, put the blanket down for a second, just finish your cereal and go get your Bible. And if you're here, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to tee this up a little bit, but that's where the main passage we're going to study this morning is. God uses fellowship. He gifts it to us and he uses it in these incredible ways. In the mid-80s, on the campus of Berea College in Kentucky, there was a fellowship of about a dozen students, young, maybe they didn't know a whole lot, but they knew they loved God, and several of them really knew their Bibles. And that fellowship was trying to follow God well, and along the way, saw me, met me a couple of them, and they began to tell me about Jesus. And the result of that fellowship was that they folded me into that group and led me to Christ. Christ. There was also, I'd been hired by a church to be a a choir director. I wasn't asked if I was Christian. I just asked if I could do this part, and they said yes. And that choir helped lead me to Christ. That fellowship that gathered to lead worship every week helped lead me to Christ. God used fellowship to bring me to himself. And then once I came to faith in Christ, once I repented of sin and trusted in Christ alone, then God began to use other batches of fellowship to then help me become more like him. Sometimes it was just one-on-one. I sat down with Kevin Slim and he, he and some other poor college students put, took an offering and bought me this Bible right here. It's got a second cover now after all these years, but it's, this is the one. And, and James chapter 1 was the very first passage I ever opened. It was brand new. It was like, smells good, don't know what to do with it. And in fellowship with Kevin, he said, hey, just open right here. It's in the book of James. I'm like, who's James? I really knew nothing. And he taught me how to begin to study and then I had fellowship with Vince, who was teaching me how to live that faith, how to whew, how to replace the habits I had that I was very good at that were very unholy with things that were. And then I had fellowship with people in the churches that we served over the years, families and literally just a, a household that would have us over on a regular basis. The Stanics would have us like every other Sunday night over and we'd, we'd have pizza and hang out and play some cards, but we'd always then talk about our faith That fellowship is a powerful tool God has given. It is not something we made up. It was not like, I like Jesus. Do you like Jesus? Yeah, we should hang out. We did did not make that up. God calls us to that. He created that. It was an intentional gift on his part. And he has used it for so much good in so many places. When I tell my story about a bunch of you, you're like, hey, that happened to me. (laughs) It's the fellowship of your household, perhaps. There's a fellowship for some people at school, so some people at work. You did not come to Christ all by yourself. There was some form of fellowship used by God to leverage on your behalf for you to come to know Him and to grow more like Him. Amen? Raise your hand if you've never ever had fellowship in your entire life. Now <laughs> you guys are like, oh, wait, the other one. No, raise your hand if fellowship's been used in your life to help you grow and become more like Christ. It's all of us. It's every single one of us. Someone's like, I don't remember who it was. It's okay if you don't remember the name. We just know that is true. It's not just about us having a great life or just being super positive. It's not because we have a a common hobby with each other. We can, that's fine, but the point is to help each other grow more more in our love of God. It's a gift of God that we use to help each other remain and get even more devoted to Jesus. That's the point of fellowship. It's not about buddies and gal pals It's us recognizing as we study the scripture, God doesn't call you buddies. He calls you brother and sister in Christ. He, we didn't just make that, that wasn't just country churches. That wasn't just country Baptist church, Christ churches that were like, brother Sam, sister Susie. No, no. That's a reflection of ancient, beautiful, divine language where he says, hey, you belong together to help one another grow to know me. We have a ton of examples in our world where people kind of copy fellowship, little cheap examples. We, we got car clubs and sports leagues and reading groups and professional associations, not a thing wrong with any of them. They just all pale in comparison. It's people gathering because they have a thing in common and where for us, Christian fellowships, we're gathering because we have Christ in common, <laughs> because we love God and we want to follow him. That's what we share in common. I enjoy disc golf with friends, but I need christ center fellowship. You can benefit from a visit over coffee with an unbelieving coworker, but you need fellowship that's focused on God. We can like various hobbies, but we need godly habits and we help each other develop them. You can stay in Hebrews 10, but I just want to share one other verse, only one other one we're going to read today. It's in Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Where God uses Paul to to just absolutely strike this point home. For none of us, the us as Christians, not just human beings, none of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to ourselves alone. If we live, while you got breath in your lungs, we live how? For what purpose? To the Lord, to know him and follow him. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That's the point. Do we belong to each other? Yes. Do I have friends, family, people I enjoy, people I'm intentionally fellowshipping with? Yes. But why? So that I can pay more attention to God and I can help them pay more attention to God and they can help me pay more attention to God. That's the point of Christian fellowship. And so the reality is we can be very different and share the most important things to come. And that's, that's why we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 19 through 22 first. There's tons of other passages. Like, I think I had 35 or 36 passages that teach on what fellowship really is. John, if you want to look up some other study at home, John 15, 1 Thessalonians 5, Acts chapter 2, the entire life of Jesus, because every week he was in worship with people. Um, but we're going to stay, we're going to focus here. Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19. Let's look at it. Therefore, brothers, and, and the Greek word is siblings, it's brothers and sisters, okay? So it's those who are followers of Christ. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, to be able to come to God because of his sacrifice for us, okay? By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And some of you are like, wow, there's a lot here. I'll say about how much is here in just a second. But only because Christ's sacrifice can we come and really follow after him. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, not the building, us, all believers, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, only God can forgive us, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, there is so much in those four verses that I promise you that weekly, for an hour every week, we could preach for months, months on just the content of those four verses. There's so much there. The whole book of Hebrews from chapter 1 verse 1 up to this point has been teaching a ton of stuff, and this is almost a summary of chapters upon chapters of content. And here's the bottom line for this. These four verses we just read, you're welcome. We're not going to dig as deep as I would love to dig in as I got the chance to do this week. You feel free to go look and use the study Bible and do more, but... God initiates salvation. That's good because we never will. God the Father sent Jesus as our Savior. His perfect obedience that we cannot duplicate and His perfect sacrifice that we could not do for ourselves give us a complete confidence in Him as our Savior. Amen? That's the good news that's here. Now, here's the thing. What it's saying here that's leading into the, the main part of this passage on fellowship is this is what we hold in common This is what we hold in common. I want you to notice, even if you're like, I don't know what that phrase was or what that word means. You know what that means? There's always more to learn. That's what what that means. Be encouraged. It's good. There are eight times in the passage I just read that this glorious salvation is spoken of as being for us, being ours, being something we walk in confidence about together. We, ours, us. We, ours, us. Eight times in in just those four verses we just read. Listen, God saves each one of us as an individual and simultaneously says, I adopt you as my children. There are no solo Christians. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all related to God in this incredible way. He sees us as we. It doesn't mean that you don't matter it doesn't mean that your individual strengths and, 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 and joys of life and, and what you do to serve others doesn't matter. It just means that it's never solo, it's always connected to the church as a whole. He's talking about what we share in common. Why is this so important? Why have I said the word common several times? Because that's the heartbeat of fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship, the Greek word that we translate to be into English, because English wasn't first, we are not superior. Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, that's how, those are the languages in which this is written. We're we're receiving this as a translation. So the word we translate it from is koinonia. That's the word for fellowship. The root word of that is koinos. Koinos. You know what the word koinos means? Common or held in common. It's the things that make us connected. It's the things we hold in common. Our confidence in God our recognition that we need Him, our humility before Him, our desire to grow in a real relationship with Him. That's what we hold in common. Now, you and I could also be about the same age. That's fine. We could have kids that are about the same grades. Fine. We could like the same kinds of hobbies. Fine. But what matters that unites us is what we hold in common and what we believe. That lasts. That won't change. A few years ago, Teresa and I spent a lot of time with a lot of people who had a lot of kids, or at least some, because most people didn't have as many as us. But at this point, we advise them, but we don't hang so much together because we're in a different season. It's empty nest, very hard at times, fantastical some days. So all that said, we all have this desire to draw closer to Christ, every one of us. And guess what else we have in common? We all do it imperfectly. Every one of us draws near to Christ imperfectly. But if you can be just a tad perfecter because we hung out and we learned something from each other, if I can be a little bit perfecter because we spent time together studying the Word together, that's better for all of us. We're bringing together all the things we've learned out of God's Word about who He is and how to follow Him, and that fellowship is what helps us gain closeness with God. Now here's the thing, you're going to have fun doing that. Some of you are like, this sounds very serious. It is serious, it really does matter. How many of you have been on a mission trip, showed up for any kind of an outreach ministry, been on a serve team and had fun and or laughed while you were doing it? You're going to have fun while we fellowship. It's just that that's the byproduct, not the point. That's a fantastic gift that comes with it. But I didn't come here to hang out and laugh, I came here to serve these families. I came here to go door to door and pray with these families. I came here to serve these these children. I came here to teach these teenagers. That's the point. And yes, the people I fellowship with as we do it, man, we have fun together. That's great. We share each other's burdens when we fellowship. We laugh and cry and care and show up and support and encourage because fellowship is not just about who I like, it's who we love. That's good news, really good news. How we choose to fellowship is for me to help you get better at faith and you help me get better at faith us help each other get better at faith. And here's the thing. I've been in a third world country having to use a translator because he speaks five languages and I only speak one and a quarter of another one. And if you just looked at the two of us, skin tone, languages, intellect, where we live, how much we have, what type of house it is, how big our families are, everything is different. But through a translator, we're having this conversation and we're both joyful about having read the scripture and been led to Christ and the joy of worship. And and all of a sudden, all those things that are listed in verses 19 through 22, guess what? Those are what we got in common. With all those other weird differences we would have a hard time overcoming to some degree, those all kind of don't matter. Those all kind of fade out of the way because what's most important, we share in common. And that, that is the joy of fellowship. You're going to have fun doing it, but it is us helping each other accelerate and amplify our ability to draw close to God. There's this woman who had grown up in the Southwest US, United States. She got a job, it was in Northern Canada. She had never been to Canada, but it was a great job opportunity. She hops in her car and she starts to drive. She's only got two 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 and a half days to make the drive to report for this new job. She gets all the way to Alberta, Canada. It's up in the Canadian Rockies. She stops for the night, gets a hotel room, and while she's checking in, she tells the clerk, hey, I need a 5 a.m. wake-up call because I have got to get on the road early to make it to, to my new job. And the clerk responded saying, really? She said, looked up and said, well, yeah, yeah, I re- it's a long drive tomorrow and I really... She has no idea that that trip she is talking about is dangerous in winter, okay? She has no idea about these mountain passes she's going to have to go through. So, She didn't catch that. He says, sure, no problem, ma'am. Puts in 5 a.m. wake-up call. She gets a wake-up call. She gets up, gets a shower, goes downstairs, walks outside. As soon as she walks out the door, she realizes the fog is so thick and there's snow coming down so strong that when she put her hand out, she couldn't see her fingernails. It's like, okay, now I know what really means (laughs) in Alberta. So she goes back inside. She's kind of not sure what to do. She looks over. Well, they have a breakfast. Okay. So she goes over to get breakfast. She sits down. She's still like, I don't know what I'm going to do. She's getting a little anxious about the fact that she's still going to make this drive. She sits down. She's eating her breakfast, and she hears a couple of guys talking, and she's kind of listening in, and she hears enough to understand they're truckers, and then she also notices they're saying some of the cities she's got to drive by, so she finally just kind of gets humble, walks over, and goes, I'm sorry, can I ask a few questions Have you guys? Sure. You guys are driving to so-and-so. She's like, They're like, yeah, yeah, sure. She's like, okay, do you have any idea when it's going to clear up outside enough for me to make the drive? And they both kind of looked at each other and looked at her, and they're like, well, first just tell us, what kind of car do you have? She said, I have a Honda Civic. And they looked at each other, no shame, no negatives at all. They just looked at her and said, you should not even attempt to drive this route in that car. Nobody should. It's just not safe. And she she almost gets teary-eyed. She is very anxious. I've got to get there for this job. It has to happen. And the guys are listening, and they're trying to be caring. And finally, they look at each other, and they look back at her, and they say, okay, well, I guess we'll just have to give you a hug. And she's like, whoa, hold on. What are we talking about? And they kind of laugh, and they said, no, 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 no. In terms, this is the terms we're talking about. A hug for them as truckers was, the guy explained, I'm going to drive my truck. You're going to put your car right behind me and follow my taillights, and he's going to be right behind you. And if anything happens, we're right there with you. And so the, the whole day she followed those two red brake light dots with the reassurance and comfort of the two headlights right behind her, of people who knew better that route and where they were headed. They were all going the same place, but some of them knew more than the others, and so they were taking care of her along the way. It's a beautiful picture of fellowship for us. We're trying to head the same direction, and some of us can help lead others along the way because we've been there a few more times. Some of us are glad to learn from others. Sometimes it's side by side instead of in a straight line like the road, but, but that's the point and the heart of great fellowship. Isn't that a beautiful picture and important for us to catch because pride Raise your hand if it gets the better of you. Yep. How many of you don't stop for directions? Oh, wow. Just just a few. Congratulations. We need one another to make this journey. Let's look at Hebrews again, starting in verse 23. There's three verses, and we're going to draw three points from these as we come to a close. Let us hold unswervingly. I love that word. Hold unswervingly. Keeping it straight, not swerving around. Let us hold to the hope We profess. For he who promised God is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider. Here's the command. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 19 through 22 is about what we hold in common that will not change and shift. You get old, kids go away. We have losses and gains and move around the country, around the world. But what we hold in common as Christians is found in 19 through 22. 23, 4, and 5 gives us three commands about what we're supposed to use fellowship to accomplish. Are you ready? Number one, we are commanded to help each other believe rightly. We're commanded to help each other believe rightly rightly. This phrase in verse 23 that says, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess does not mean you believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe and I'll be me and you do you boo. That is not it. Hashtag divine nope. Not it. Not it. It is to learn by study of the scriptures and hold by faith and fellowship to the beliefs God has defined. Not what I want it to be, not what I read it out of context to be, what he has said it is. The Bible is not actually open to interpretation the way that most people would say that. They're like, well, I don't know. I think I'd like it to be. Fine, go get a cookie in a Chinese restaurant. But that is not the point of the scripture. God did not say, I think I'll say a few words and see what they do with it. Never. God in perfection of character said, I need you to know this. I expect you to do this. I expect you to speak in this way. I expect a behavior that looks like this. I expect you to serve. Like that. He is precise and it is intentional, and there's a purpose to what he says, and there are tools and systems of study that have been developed not just by us, no, across all the centuries of studying the scripture that we can use to help us know for sure what God has said in the word. You should be reading the Bible solo, but we should be checking our understanding of it together. We're called to study God's word in community, in fellowship, for that purpose to help each other believe rightly. Amen. Second one, we are called, in verse 24, we're called to help each other obey fully, to obey fully. And notice, I said this as I was reading it, the first command here is not make you get better at faith. The first one is consider, consider how we may spur one another on. Other Bible translations use the phrase think about or be concerned for. It should be on your mind how my faith is. It should be on my mind how your faith is. It's consider, think about, ponder, get creative on how we can help sharpen each other. It should be on our minds how we challenge and push each other every day to obey God a little bit more fully, a little bit more fully in each of the areas of our life. The words spur on also are translated promote and motivate. Your obedience to Jesus should be on my mind and part of my efforts and vice versa. That's why we gather. It's what we do when we fellowship is to help each other believe rightly, to help each other gather, to help each other to obey fully. And the third one is, we come together, and we see this in verse 25, to help each other gather consistently. I just want you to know I'm aware of the irony on a day with snow on the ground and Rona in the air that we're talking about the importance of gathering in the church building as a church family. I get it. I got it. But this is a rarity and an oddity, right? Not the pattern of the character of who we are as a church family, Right? Our culture and our pride really doesn't like this command very much. I have said this verse out loud while pastoring people for a long time, and a number of, especially men, have been like, well, I don't think I want to do that. Okay. Problem's not between me and you. Problem's between you and him. Right? Not giving up meeting together. It says, hey, it's stated in the negative. It's like, hey, get here. Don't not get here. That's the gist of what's here. It's translated, do not desert one another because we're family and we're supposed to be gathering in God's house under God's rule to worship God for his glory. It's also translated, don't abandon one another. Don't neglect one another to be in worship together as a church family. Here's the thing, listen. Some of you are like, well, I can worship in a tree stand. Yes, you can. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I can worship all in fishing. Yes, and you should. That's right. I worship while I am holding my, my child in there, falling asleep. Absolutely, please do. Here's the statement. We can worship anywhere and anytime. This passage and lots of others tell us we must worship with our congregation in the church house week after week. We can and should worship everywhere. That's, that's all rehearsal, joy. This is where we come and bring that all together as a family. This duty for Christian worship is found hundreds of times in Scripture Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians 16, Revelation 1, and again, the example of Jesus. I want you to catch one thing about why he was having to say this to these people. Christians that first got this letter, not the whole book, just the letter of Hebrews in Greek, they were being genuinely persecuted for their faith. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. You don't own your business anymore. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. Capital punishment. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. Will you say that you are no longer a follower of Jesus? I will not. Put into chains, taken away, and put into the arena for gladiators and or animals to kill. I just want you to catch. He is not just saying, hey guys, we should come to church. He is talking to people who have distanced themselves from worship because it is a heavy cost that a lot of them are paying. And I want all of us to be aware, that's the original context here. We don't have that in the U.S. It's happening across about 17 or 18 nations of of Africa as Boko Haram is radically, constantly killing Christians. It's severe right now. India, tons of Christians, beaten to death in the street. They, They are gathering for worship. What's keeping me from it? I've got to ask myself, what is it? Because it's not real persecution, at least in the United States. It's other things, and I need to check those and check me against his word. That, that's what I'm asking. I'm not telling you what you got to do. I'm telling you what all of us have to do. We are called to help each other gather consistently with God's family and God's house to give God praise. And how good is that? When you come to worship, how good is that? We know what it feels like, what it sounds like. We know the joy of that. In fact, I bet there's people today watching online who are like, oh man, I wish I was there in the house. That's the spirit, that's the heart of it. And that's what we do. That's who we are. And fellowship is a tool God uses to help us gather consistently. Years ago, we were serving a church in Jonesboro and I was a youth pastor at the time. We sat on the right-hand side, fourth row back. I was on the end of the aisle, Teresa sat next to me. And all the kids who didn't sit with their parents, because they weren't cool, would sit behind us or alongside us kind of in that section of the church. Congratulations if your kid is with you. Um, I just realized a few people are like, well, mine's right here. Well, congratulations. But that's what would happen. Well, so at one point, this really tall guy, I don't remember exactly how tall he is. Duke, send me a letter. Tell me how tall you are. Um, This guy named Duke, he and his wife come in, and I didn't know him, but they walk in, and he's quite tall, and he has a glorious mullet. And he was a very vibrant worshiper. So he came in carrying this Bible that looked like it was about half falling apart. You know what, you, you know what you, that means, right? When somebody's Bible's falling apart, their life usually isn't. And so he's got this used Bible, and he comes in, sits that down, and we go into worship. He's a big dude, and he's a big worshiper. Now, it wasn't like I had any shyness about worship. Personally, but it was, he was in the periphery of my vision. This was the stage, and, and there he was, and he would worship, and I'd just be like, man, that's so good. And I just made it easier. There's just a, a joy in sharing in that, right? And so I had met him a time or two, just you know, say good morning before the guy comes to preach. So I'd done it a few times. I thought I knew his name, wasn't quite sure. Well, one week he's missing. And as we're driving home from church, it just back in my mind, I'm like, oh man, I didn't see that guy today. What's his name again? David Don? I don't remember. And so then the next week he's not there, and I'm like, man. Miss seeing him. And so I go to this church secretary. I'm like, hey, Jeanette, this big tall guy, mullet, sits in front of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And gives me his number. And I just call him. I don't know if you guys knew that. Phones, you can dial numbers and talk to somebody. And so I called him. And, and uh, I just said, hey, man, I, I've missed you in worship the last couple of weeks. And uh, I know we're not close or anything, but I, I just miss that. I like seeing you and saying good morning. And, and you just helped me be a, a better worshiper. I just, I just wanted you to know that I was thinking about that. Sunday morning, he, came, he said thanks a lot on the phone. It was a pretty brief conversation. He comes in Sunday morning, puts his Bible down, walks over to me, puts his hands on my shoulders, and he's like, you have no idea how important that was for me to hear. Because I, I, I love God, but I wasn't quite sure it was important for me to really be in church, and I had no idea it would have an impact on anybody else. And that became a friendship, and he joined the youth volunteer staff, and then he drummed with us for years during youth worship. We're still friends online. We catch up once in a while, and Fellowship is part of how we help each other draw close to God better and better throughout our lives. We use fellowship. We gather as Christians with the Bible open and we say, let's help each other learn what it says so we can believe rightly. And then once we understand what that is, we gather in our groups, we pray together, we show up for each other in our serve teams, in our life groups, we gather. And with that, we say, okay, now how can we obey God more fully? We encourage and strengthen each other in that. And then we just remind each other and reach out to each other to help each other gather consistently as God's family and God's house. To truly walk in a relationship with God that is full and rich and good and growing will not happen by yourself. It happens in fellowship. That's why we have life groups. There's going to be a life group launch at the end of this month. If you're already in a group and still meeting, great. But if you're like, man, maybe I should try that out. Okay, I see what this verse, I see what God's saying in these verses. Maybe I should go do that. It's coming up. Watch for those on ramps. Get on a serve team. Every team in this church that serves together also fellowships together in the process. Our identity is rooted in Christ. Our prayer is us drawing near to God on purpose to speak with Him. And we leverage the power of fellowship to help each other. Believe rightly, obey fully, and gather consistently because the main point of Christian fellowship is not that we like each other. It's okay if you do. It's kind of okay if you don't as long as you still fellowship together (laughs) because the point is that we love God and we help each other love God better and better over time. What we hold in common, our koinos, is the foundation of our fellowship. And this morning, I was trying to come up with how to close and looking for a cool story, and I was like, you know... Let's just let God have the last word. I want to read these three verses one more time and then we're going to pray together. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because he, God who promised, is faithful to us. We know his character. We know the, the certainty of who he is. So we hold on to what he tells us to. And and let us consider, I need to be thinking about how we may spur one another on toward love and toward good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more, all the more as you see the day approaching, the day when Christ will return.